So today we're going to talk about prayer. The Pew Research Center, and it's uh, one of the more respected uh, Christian research centers, says that 55% of Americans pray every day. Although when you look at that number, it seems like a lot. But when you drill down into Pew Research's numbers, you find some startling statistics. First of all, 21% say that they pray weekly or monthly. 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. So I'm assuming that means that 21% or maybe 11% of those pray weekly and maybe 10% or 11% pray once a month, which is staggering. 23% say that they pray seldom or never. Think about, just let that sit for a minute. Now, according to my statistics, that is 44%. The other 11%, how they get to 55, includes non-Christian people. So, 44%, half of that number, a little over half, say that they pray seldom or never. <laughs> These are supposed Christians. 64% of that same survey said that women pray daily. Versus 46% of men who pray daily. 64 and 46% of what? This number right here. You have roughly 21% of Christendom praying daily. I think that number is staggeringly low. So what I want to do this morning is challenge you to think about prayer, to think about the importance of prayer and the place of prayer in your life and mine. And not only that, but in the life of the church. In the life of the church. If only 21% of the church is praying, it's not a good thing. It needs to be 100% of us praying. And so we're going to focus this morning on prayer. And we've heard this prayer, right? We're all going to say it together. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That was a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It is a basic outline of how you pray. One is exalting the Father, letting his will be done, providing for our daily needs, forgiving those who have uh, wronged us and also being wronged ourselves we are forgiven by them or having wronged them we are we are forgiven lead us not into temptation that means help us in our daily life and of course yours is the glory that's a very simple prayer 
But when you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul goes beyond this. And I think it's, uh, there's, the Lord Jesus gave us this prayer. It is wonderful. It is great. And we should say this to some degree in our lives, but we need to go deeper. And with the text that I've chosen this, this morning does that. It goes a little bit deeper. And uh, Ephesians, um, Paul has been speaking about uh, prayer for spiritual strength. And in Ephesians chapter 3, we're actually he's talking about the mystery of the gospel revealed before we get to us, to this text. But for this text, it is a prayer for spiritual strength. I go back to those numbers, those numbers stuck in my head this week. Only 21% of professed Christians are praying daily. And most of those are women. Never let it be said that the women are not the, the, the bedrock of the Christian faith. And men, it's really a challenge for us to rise up and say, we need to begin praying like that. But if, we were, if, if we're not praying, if, if we're not praying to God daily, where are we getting our strength from? I guarantee you, you're not going to find it on CNN. You're not going to find it with your friend. You're only going to find that strength in, in Christ. So what Paul says to us is that we must pray to God. And he starts immediately with the posture. Notice he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Um. This can easily go back to verse 13, in which the Apostle Paul is talking about the mystery of the gospel. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. It's possible that the Apostle Paul is trying, it's not possible, it is, it is highly probable, that he is trying to get them to pray the way that he prays so that they can continue in the Christian walk, to continue in the Christian faith. And, and this, this phrase, I bow my knees, compto, it means submission as in the form of worship. So when the Apostle Paul says that I, I bow my knees, there's this, there's this image of submission in worship. You know, we often forget that prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. Um, I like what David O'Brien says in his, or Peter O'Brien says in his commentary, bowing signified great reverence and submission, especially marking the humble approach of the worshiper who felt his need so clearly that he could not stand upright before God. Have you ever had one of those needs in your life that just a simple, oh Lord, thank you for this day kind of prayer just wasn't going to cut it? Yeah, it wasn't enough. I think we need to spend some time down here and get, get a picture of God being high and exalted, which he gives us in just a minute. I think the Christian faith is missing this kind of prayer. It is a prayer that is seeking intently God's help. 
Brothers and sisters, you cannot make it through this Christian life without prayer. You cannot make it through this Christian life without the power and presence of God in your life. It does not work. That's why we get so tired. That's why we get so bogged down because we have forgotten the essence of who we are, which is we are connected to Jesus Christ who has all the power. It flows from the throne of God and therefore I want that. Not only do I want that, I need that in my life. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, for this reason, I bow before the Father. The Apostle Paul realizes that the only way to tap into spiritual strength, he lays this before he, he actually asks for it in just a minute, but he does this first because he realizes that he is in a humble position and apart from God, he can do nothing. And that is what we are today. Apart from God, we can do nothing in our lives. Apart from him. Everything that we have and hope to be and are belongs to him. And so he says that I bow before the Father. Don't you love it that you can call, I think in Galatians, Paul says, call on Abba, Father, Dad. That shows intimacy. I want to remind us all this morning. You do know you can have a personal relationship with God. This isn't, this isn't some God who is so transcendent that I can't reach him. This is a God that's in intimate, that he is intimate with me and with you. And we can tap into that intimacy and get to know the creator of our salvation. Not only of ourselves, but of our salvation and our soul. God wants a intimate relationship with you and me. Secondly, he starts with posture. That is, a state of reverence and worship and humility before God. And then he goes in and he talks about, while he's down there, you can almost picture, I bet you the Apostle Paul was probably kneeling when he wrote this. So he's kneeling like this, and he's looking up to the heavens, and he goes, by the way, from whom every family on earth is named. There's a sense, he writes it this way, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That from is a prepositional pronoun, and it refers to, it means something like this, out of whom. So if we read it this way, out of whom every family in heaven and on earth is, is named. Harold Honer writes it this way, the present tense of the verb named, which God does the naming, would seem to indicate that God is still naming every family because he is creating them in a sense. Everybody is created in the image of God, therefore God is still in the creation business. Thus, Every family, whether in heaven or on earth, has its origin in God as creator. You cannot go anywhere from God that he doesn't know you. In fact, every one of us were fearfully and wonderfully made in our mother's womb. He knows us as we came into this world. He knows us. He loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And so the Apostle Paul is, is simply saying here that we acknowledge that you are the creator, 
God, Jesus Christ, at the beginning of creation, formed man out of the dust of the ground. And in Genesis uh, 1.27, we read this. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God is the creator. Whether we choose to acknowledge that or not, God is sovereign over us. We are not in control of our lives, if you will. God was the one that, that sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross to redeem his creation, which he so desperately wanted to have a relationship with us. So when Jesus went to the cross, he was redeeming back that which was his. Now, sadly today, and... Uh, In this who's your one focus, there are billions of people who do not know God intimately. Do you know there's probably hundreds right here in the, in the, in the town of Tolono that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Yet they think that if they can wish God away that he did not create them and you cannot wish God away just because you say so doesn't make it true. The fact is, and I've studied this myself, the fact is that it is impossible to look at creation and not realize that there is a creator. And that this did not all come from one little boom. And if there was a little boom, it was God that did the boom. For all of this stuff just to so happen to fall into place at just the right dimensions, just the right angle, if, if, the, if the Earth's axis was a little off, life would cease to exist. Uh, there's just enough topsoil and, and trees to give us oxygen. There's just enough right of everything that points to the Creator God. Whether we choose to acknowledge that or not, every person is created in the image of God. And that's what Paul's acknowledging here. Lord, you are sovereign over everything. I think that's a good place to start in our prayer life. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Jesus said? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, how great you are. The Apostle Paul, here in a different way, does exactly the same thing. Every person is given life by God. Every person should praise God. God inhabits the praise of his people. So we must pray to him. We must get that. While there's intimacy, I, and, and Paul says in other places, we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find help in time of our need. But at, at the same time, we have to realize that we are still approaching the sovereign Lord. There, there, there needs to be this balance. And yes, you can get on your knees and say, Daddy, I got a problem. That's how close he is with us. I need help. I need help here. Things aren't going well in this area of my life. And to acknowledge the fact that we need God is the starting point for prayer. To not pray for the Christian is to not breathe. 
God is the, is the breath in which we breathe. Every breath that we take is a gift from God. Therefore, not to pray to God spiritually is like we've stopped breathing spiritually. We need that prayer daily, and we need it to come from the sovereign God who created the universe, who created all the worlds that exist, the galaxies, the stars, and who created little old me and little old you. We need him. So in that sense, that's how we go to God. But then he gets to the meat of it. Not only, God, are you sovereign, but now, Lord, I'm praying for spiritual strength. And he taps into the source. That according to the riches of his glory, 16a, that according... And here's the purpose for what he just said. <laughs> so he's just established the fact that he reverences God. He realizes that God is awesome, that he, that he is sovereign over everything. And then from that, he moves to make it personal. That according to the riches of his glory. Now Paul is calling on heaven itself here and according to the riches speaks of wealth or God's assets according to Forbes magazine Bill Gates he owns a little company called Microsoft <laughs> a little company um, Forbes magazine declares he's the wealthiest man in the world that's what they say. He's worth one point or 106.9 billion, according to Forbes. Oh, if we just had a fraction, right? Just, just, just a fraction. He's the richest man in the world, yet he does not know Christ. What if I gain the whole world, but I lose my soul? I profit nothing. He needs Jesus. And he's the richest man in the world. But Paul here says, according to the riches of his glory. Let me remind us today, Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all that dwell in it is mine, says the Lord. Listen, God owns all the riches in this world. It will ultimately come back to him. And therefore, God has all at, all at, his, dispens uh, at his dispensal all of what we need to make it through this life. God can pull from his riches to help you, not only financially, and I'm not talking health and wealth gospel here, but I'm talking about now, let me just say something here. There have been times in my life when suddenly money showed up from nowhere to take care of a need that I had, right? Y'all ever have that happen? Where does that come from, the wealth of his riches? Or somebody says, here, God laid this on my heart to give it to you. See, that's God moving, moving things around. But we need to remember that God owns everything. He can dispense it at any time. Man foolishly believes that all the wealth is theirs. A 
Psalm 50:10, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle of a thousand hills, cattle on a thousand hills. Think of it this way. This is, can be financial, it can be spiritual. This is the way the word works out. Do you believe that God has everything that you need for life? then why do sometimes do we live like he does not? We do that a lot, maybe some. We need to start living like God is the one who has all the finances and all the spiritual power that we need to live our lives. And it's according to his glory his doxa. That word doxa is the word for praise. That out of his immense riches of his self. Harold Honer says this, listen to this, this is important. In essence, Paul asked God to grant the forthcoming request according to the wealth of his essential being. He's right. I look at the words. That's one of my studies for the week is, is the etymology and the, and the, of, the, of the words. Paul's not saying, God, give me this. He's saying, God... I want you in me. Well, think about, just think about that. The wealth of his essential being. Paul is asking for the wealth of God himself. Give me not from out here, but give me yourself. That should be the prayer of the Christian. That, Father, that in your immense wealth and your glory and your awesomeness, that you would give me some of that. Do you remember the woman in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament? She had an issue of blood, and she reached out just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And the power proceeded from Jesus. That's exactly the essence of what Paul is praying here. He says, God, I want the essence of who you are in my life. And when you get that power, when you get that kind of power, you can overcome anything. So when was the last time any of us? I had to think about this myself. I haven't. So I'm going to tell you. When, when was the last time that you prayed, God, give me your essence. Fill me with your personhood. Wow. That is amazing. And then, not only that, the source, but the power. Okay, let's kind of review where we are here. The Apostle Paul went to his knees. He said, you are high and exalted. You're my father. Lord, you are sovereign over everything. Now I want you as your servant to give these people the power of your essence. 
from your essence. And then he goes on and specifically says, in verse 16b, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Karatayo, karatayo. That word strengthen means to become strong psychologically. To become strong psychologically. Here's the deal. The fight that we fight is not outward most of the time. The fight that we fight is inward. It is a struggle within us. When the world does this, we do this, it comes out of us. And so the struggle here is within us. It is in our mind. It is in our hearts. So he's saying that I want you to be strengthened in your mind. I want your mind to have full control of, and I want it to be in the power of God, his essence living in us. In other words, I think what Paul's praying here, Lord, help them become like you, not only in their daily walk, but inwardly. That's the goal of a Christian life, is to become more like Jesus and less like the world. That's the, that is the goal. Here it is again. This is in Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way to put off your old self, which is being corrupted with deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Brothers and sisters, our fight is primarily an inward fight. Almost any circumstance you, you, you can think of. Somebody does something wrong to you. You could lash out, but where you lashed out first was inside. There is this spiritual war taking place. And if you go on and you read the book of Ephesians, you go to Ephesians chapter 6, and you talk about wearing the full armor of God in which we battle the schemes of the devil. So he says that you may be strengthened, become strong psychologically, in the mind, inwardly, keratio, to inwardly be strong. But then he says the word power, which is the ability to do something. And the word spirit, well, we know what that is. That's the Holy Spirit. In our inner being. In your inner being. I looked that up. It's only used nine times in the New Testament. Three times it's used referring to people. It refers to the heart and the soul of the person. So here's what happens. I believe Paul believes that this is going to take place. Because he has got down to worship God through prayer. He has acknowledged his sovereignty over everything. He has acknowledged his lordship over his life. And then he turns and he asks God to begin giving the essence of himself. Now, how does God transmit that essence? He transmits that essence through the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's not that God strengthens you by osmosis. He doesn't strengthen you by, I wish he would at times, just, you know, all of a sudden, Power Ranger, you know, but it doesn't work that way. Notice what he says, that he may grant you 
that he may grant your, that your request to be strengthened by the power through his spirit. The communication takes place and the, and the flow goes to the Holy Spirit who is inward. Brothers and sisters, I say this again. Our fight is inward. Our fight is with ourselves. To become more like Jesus and to become less like the world. Our fight is with primarily ourselves. Yes, the fight is with the world. We know the world is lost. We know the world needs Jesus. We can see that. That's clear. But our response to it and how we live our Christian lives is an inward fight. And only the strong will survive. But you know what's funny? Is every one of us have the power available to us. Every one of us have the power available to us. We have to tap into it. How we have to tap into it is ask God for it. And that he will strengthen us. He transfers it in your inner being. That's who you are as a person. And he closes so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is still a faith issue. The word dwell right here. The word dwell refers to Jesus taking up residency. And where he takes up residency is in our hearts. That God, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ wants to set up house in your heart. Not your physical heart, but the spiritual heart of who you are as an individual. I thought about this. In essence, when you look at unbelievers, what they simply do is they lock the front door of their heart so that Jesus can't come in. Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who let me in. Here, Christ wants to set up home in our hearts. He needs to be the welcomed guest in our lives. Not just guest, but Lord. You know what I mean by that. So prayer. Simple word. Prayer is very simple, but it is also very powerful. It is an opportunity for us as believers to experience God in his fullness. So when you're, and I, I get it, maybe sometimes you have physical problems or limitations that you can't get down, but you can get down in your mind. You can draw a picture, I love this, draw a picture of yourself kneeling before the throne and saying, God, I need your help. I need your power. I'm tired. I'm weary. I need to be revived. Or Lord, thank you. You're so awesome. 
I saw how you worked in my life this week and I saw what you did in, in, in my life and Lord, I just want to acknowledge that. Or Lord, you're just so awesome what you do for me every day. Those types of things is a form of worship to God. God inhabits the praise of his people. We need to start praising him and then asking him, Father, I want to sense your essence in me like I've never sensed before. And Father, I want you to give me the power to live this life right now. You know what I've got in front of me and I need to live it and I'm, I'm weary and I'm weak. So Lord, I ask that you fill me with the essence of your being so that I can make it through this moment in time. That sounds charismatic, I know. But I think that's the essence of this prayer. It's simple, yet it's powerful. So maybe this week, take some time Take some time and, and spend time with God telling him what, what you need and how much he means to you and ask him for himself. That's a radical way of praying. Ask God, I want to sense your presence. I, I want anything that's connected to you, I want in me. That is, that is a different way of approaching prayer.